Good morning, Victory. Hey, let's, say, let's give a special welcome to everyone at our Hamilton Mill campus and our Midtown campus and our online campus. We welcome you. We're all live here at our 11 o'clock service because this is a special weekend. Uh, as many of you know, this is our special Christmas gift to the world uh, weekend and where we give our best gift to Jesus. And some of you maybe are new to the church and you're not familiar with this kind of tradition that we've been doing for several years. And so uh, let me just kind of give you a little background. We always pick one mission project in the world, somewhere else in, outside of the United States, to support, and one mission project here locally. This year, we're going, to do, we're going to Uganda, where we're going to support one of our missionaries that came out of Victory in 2005, uh, and he is going to be here in just a minute. You're going to get to hear from him, but, and then, of course, our local mission is going to be Midtown. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to watch this video, and this will introduce you to what we're going to do in Uganda. This is Uganda, an East African country of mesmerizing natural beauty, rich culture, and heritage. The country is developing with a population of over 42 million people, 1.4 million of them being refugees from neighboring South Sudan, fleeing the civil war that has ripped their home apart. My name is Jen Tabo, and I am a cook here. When I was in South Sudan, you hear so many things. Some people were burned in their homes, others were removed and sold or slaughtered. Making our journey, of course, we came down the Aba Road. That's where we met rebels. At first, they did not do anything, but further down the road, we met more, and they took some of the children. Life in a refugee camp is not ideal, but Uganda offers greater opportunities than those in South Sudan, and the work of missionaries often propels children through schools and opens doors for refugees at all stages of life. Hello, Victory. My name is Onoche Uche Izuara, the founder of Hisikos International Mission. Hisikos was born in the class of visionary and being taught to us by Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen in Victory World Training Center back in 04. On account of the current insecurities in South Sudan, we've relocated out of there since 05. We are now here in Northern Uganda pursuing God's cause for our lives. This Christmas, Victory has the unique opportunity to help His Sickles International Missions continue to empower refugees and youth, discipling and deploying a generation of passionate believers in Jesus Christ throughout Africa. Here we are in this property is the base we have in Uganda where we intend to build a training center where young people, old people, ministry people can be trained and sent northward to make a difference for Jesus in this generation. Westward of where we are is Congo and eastward, northward is South Sudan. So we pretty much strategically located to make a difference in three nations. It gives me great joy to know that victory is solidly behind us. And we are asking you to step in with us for the next level of what God has in store for us, which is this, to build a training center here, a multi-purpose hall, to build an office for staff, to make a difference for Jesus. We are asking you to support us as we build this training center to the glory of God. We thank you. God bless you.
So let's uh, give a warm welcome to Uche Uzura from Uganda as he comes to share with us this morning. <laughs> Uche, I've known you since uh, 2004 when you attended our Bible college and you went to uh, Sudan back there in 2005, started this wonderful ministry. And since that time, a lot of things have happened, a lot of things have transpired, especially in southern Sudan with the civil war which has caused over a million refugees to come from southern Sudan into the, through the borders of Uganda, where you are now. Yes. You purchased some land. Yes. So uh, I'm interested, first of all, I want our congregation to hear this because you're from Nigeria, and yet you're going to, uh, yeah, that's right, Nigeria, come on. We got our share of Nigerians in this church. And most of them, most people coming from other parts of the country, especially Nigeria, are coming for business purposes, to get college degrees or to get business. You did the same. You had an IT background and you were in the business world. And yet, you got over here and something shifted in you. Can you just share a little bit about that? What happened? Thank you. Good morning, all. I got here on the 18th of September, 2003. And my brother picked me up right from the airport, and we drove straight to the office. It was business. It was like, you are coming to work. And he put me to work right away. And 10 days after, the Lord said to me, I brought you here to get your attention, to show you what I'm doing in the world, and to ask you to join me. Will you join me? It was hard. It was very, 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 very difficult. You had to die. I died, pretty much. <laughs> but um, it was God's cause for my life, and I counted such a great joy that he brought me all the way from Nigeria to America to discover my purpose. We lived in Akworth, and my cousin drove all the way from Akworth to here. And the first Sunday, I said to him, halfway through the journey, didn't you find any other church? It's Sunday. Why couldn't you stop nearby and just do church and go home? Unknown to me, this was purpose for me. Yes, and you've been been a part of this church ever since then. You are counted in one of our many missionaries that have come out of victory. So now you're in uh, the southern part of Uganda. You are now about to build a training center to train missionaries or actually leaders from mostly from southern Sudan to go back into Sudan, into the Civil War areas, and also into the Congo and throughout Uganda. You purchased the land. The land's already done. The building is yet to be built. It's going to cost us maybe about $400,000, give or take a few thousand dollars, which we believe we're going to raise today. Hallelujah. This weekend. Amen? Yes. And so tell us a little bit about this. Tell us about your vision for what the purpose of this training center is. Africa is incredibly blessed with young people. 60% of Africa's population are ages between 25 and below. And we feel it is an incredible blessing to our generation to be born at this time and have that opportunity to raise young people, train them, and cast a vision for them of what must happen in our time, which is to bring the kingdom, bring Jesus. And how to do that is to educate young people, but also to disciple them. We have a lot of teachings and stuff going on, but we need a mind shift, a mind change. A training facility like we're envisioning is what will offer that to young people. 
to strategically prepare them and then launch them where there will be lights and salts for Jesus in the places where it is forbidden, where it is illegal to talk about Jesus and preach, and that's not what of where we are at. So that's what the training center is going to be all about, to train people and give them a fresh perspective of what missions and ministry is all about. We are excited to join and partner with you this weekend. Let's give a big hand for Uche Uzura. Thank you, Uche. We appreciate you. Oh, my goodness. I love building things like this because they don't just last for a year. They are forever, and we train missionaries forever in that part of Uganda. So that's part of what you're participating in, and half of the offering this weekend will go towards that. The other half is a local outreach, and we decided this year that we were going to support Midtown Campus because we need to expand this campus. And so this is specifically a gift for you that are at Midtown. And in fact, let's just give it up for Midtown because Midtown is joining us live this weekend. We're so glad that you're part of that. And so we have a little video to share with you what we're doing there in Midtown. Then we're going to introduce you to Pastors Mo and Kendra. So let's watch this video. God has been so faithful. Yes, he has. When I moved into Midtown, there was not a church like Victory in the city. And so you would look around and you would kind of try to compare and see, you know, what actually is speaking my language. If you think about it, uh, Victory Midtown has grown by 70% in a year. Yeah. And for me, what's been crazy is when we come in and we have things like Forward. I mean, yeah. we've had almost 300 people go through Forward in one year. Yeah. 200 and almost 90 salvations in a year. With all of these different things, with a building, what we'll be able to do is really facilitate more of those type of things. As we got into the city and we started to see people, our very first yeah, day, first day. Uh, back in Midtown, we ran into someone. They were like, hey, Midtown pastor. Yeah, and um, it just kind of stirred something in me, which is um, I believe the Lord is saying there's still more land for us to possess. Just to have the opportunity to walk people through what God is saying about their lives is going to be incredible. This has got to be more than just a place where people come and attend a service. It's got right. to be a church. And yeah. so that's the lifeblood of a church is the outreaches and the small groups and the ministry opportunities and the serving and all the, all the things that come with that. It's wild to think about, too, over the past three plus years that we've had to meet at seven different locations. So setup is still largely the same. We still roll up crazy early in the morning. We got a call time of 545. And so we unload the whole truck. So that's production, that's Vic Kids, that's worship, that's ushers, equipment, that's everything you need to, to run a church uh, every single Sunday is put in that truck. And so we offload every bit of it, we set everything up, and we run three services every single Sunday. It's been a little bit crazy with space. Yeah. We have two rooms for nursery, preschool, elementary, and the city. I think it's also been really cool this year that we've gotten to launch our college ministry, knowing, you know, we've got SCAD, TEG right around the corner. We have such an opportunity to reach that population. And even uh, getting into a building would help us partner with Norcross and, and to maximize our impact on the city. So I'm super excited about that. This gift, a building in the city, yes. is for the third and fourth generations of Victory Midtown that will worship Jesus in the city of Atlanta. We want to find something that can be our permanent location that we would have 
during the week, would be able to do events, be able to do discipleship during the week. Especially knowing that in Midtown, there is over 20,000 people just in that heart of Midtown right there. Midtown is going to be the most livable place in the state of Georgia. And at Victory, we are excited to be able to be in the lives of these people. All right. So let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Mo and Kendra Moman as they come up to share a little bit about Midtown. <laughs> Y'all are so cool looking. <laughs> Look like you just stepped off a of GQ magazine. You're looking good yourself, yeah, sir. Yeah, but you got, drip. you got that. You got it going on right there. And, and of course, many of you know, uh, Dr. Kendra is a professor at Oglethorpe University, so she kind of does dual duty. She's a pastor at, 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 at our Midtown campus, but also is out there in the world influencing the younger culture, the leaders, future leaders of tomorrow. So Midtown is, uh, we're currently meeting in a facility right next to Georgia Tech, reaching all the heathen at Georgia Tech, all the people that need Jesus at Georgia Tech. Come on. <laughs> it took a University of Georgia Bulldog to do that. Yeah. Whatever it takes. <laughs> so, so, um, but but we, we really need a building, and we, we, we may have found a building. We're looking at one right now pretty strongly that might be the perfect place for us. But, of course, it's going to have to be facilitated and built out. So we thought this would be the perfect opportunity this Christmas to, uh, to raise the money for that. But I want you to talk to us a little bit about Midtown. Tell us... Uh, the heart of Midtown, what your vision is, and what you see happening going forward. Absolutely. First of all, good morning, family. How are y'all doing today? Good to see everyone here in the house. Good to see everyone there at Hamilton Mill and at Midtown, family. We miss you guys. We love you. Uh, even right now, we got a text when I, when I was coming up that they had to put out extra chairs oh. at the 11 o'clock service awesome. to make sure uh, the capacity was there. So that's something to give God praise for. Amen. Well, Kendra and I have been blessed for the last year and three months to lead and serve uh, the Midtown campus, and we're so honored to be a part of a greater vision here at Victory uh, that Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen had years ago. And what we find is we are in a very unique situation. Uh, that unique situation is that Midtown is very indicative of the fact that you're right between two extremes. One extreme, you're right there with people who are very impoverished on one side. Then right a couple miles down the road, there are people who are on the ends of extreme wealth. And so what we have an opportunity to do is to influence the influencers. We have an opportunity to make sure that we're able to speak into and disciple, and just even as Uche said, have a equipping and sending uh, ground to make sure that we're able to build the kingdom of God and represent the four pillars that are even here at Victory. So we're excited because what we know is that we can't do this alone. And the fact that we are here, and I remember the meeting, Pastor Dennis, when you said there are a lot of things that we can do. We can feed the hungry. We can clothe those. We can equip people, and we can give to a lot of different organizations. But you made a shift, and you said, well, if we give to Midtown, they're able to do all of those things. Yeah, that's right. And even as Kendra said in the video, we're able to affect the generations to come and the families that are there. So each and every Sunday, we impact so many people who are in different spheres of influence. All the seven mountains are represented. We have producers. We have teachers. We have stay-at-home mothers. We have professors. All of those are there at Midtown, and we're so glad to see what God is doing. And what I'm excited about as we're here this weekend is that even as the Scripture say, says in uh, Isaiah 58, it says that you will be, those will be those opportunities to be those who rebuild the walls. And we will be those who are called the repairer of the breach. 
So we're excited that we're not doing this alone. We're excited that even as I announced last week to Midtown, that Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen and our church family believes in us so much that they're going to wrap their arms around us to make sure that we're able to thrive in the things of the gospel. Amen. Let's give a big thanks to Pastor Mo and Kendra at Midtown Campus. We're so thankful for them. You know what I love about this, this Midtown Campus, which is so unique, Atlanta, it's been, it's been a long time, but Atlanta has not really seen a great multicultural movement inside the city limits, and especially led by an African-American pastor. And this is the first time this has ever happened where we've planted African-American pastors in a city that are reaching white people, black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, all the different nationalities. (laughs) And, And not just one race, amen? They said, you know, they've had people criticize them for leaving the black church. And I said, what is the black church? In heaven, is there anything called the black church in heaven? When you're identifying more with your race than you are with Christ, you're missing the boat. You understand that. There's no such thing as a white church, black church, Hispanic church, or Asian church in the kingdom of heaven. So, so this is what you're giving to. This building, uh, like we said, it'll cost about a million and a half dollars to build out, but we're going to try to raise this weekend. Our goal this weekend, our big hairy goal is $800,000. And the beauty of that goal is I know the money is in the house. I know the money is in the house. The only problem, it's in your pockets, and we need to get it out of your pockets into the house of God. Amen? So I want you to get ready to give this weekend because this is going to be the start of something really big, both for Midtown and for Uganda and Sudan. I want you to take a moment, take your Bibles out, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and for a few moments before we receive this offering, we're going to just talk to you about what it means to honor God at Christmas. Many years ago when we started this church, the Lord began to speak to us about the Christmas season and the fact that everybody kind of has different feelings or different ways they approach the Christmas season depending on where they are with God what age they are, and so forth. You all know that when you were children, Christmas was all about Santa Claus, receiving gifts, you know, being with your family. It was a big celebration, a holiday season. And so as you grow older, you begin to eventually mature out of that stage, hopefully, to where Christmas is no longer about getting, but it's about giving. And usually it starts with giving to your own family, your own children. In fact, I spent a couple of hours exercising the fruit of the Spirit, putting together a tricycle yesterday, using all of my resources that Jesus had placed within me to finally put that together for my granddaughter. And I love doing that kind of thing. And so you do get to this place where you love giving presents to your friends and to your family. But eventually, if you keep staying with God and you get closer to God, you begin to realize that Christmas is a little bit more than just a holiday. It's more than just gathering together with families and giving gifts, Christmas is about Jesus. It's about the birth of Christ. And while we know historically he probably wasn't born on December the 25th, most historians believe it was sometime in the spring, but that would mess with everything that we've already set up for the commercializing of Christmas. So we keep it on December the 25th. And the reality is, is that most people, when they celebrate, they don't understand the real meaning of it. So I want you to look with me, the story of the birth of Jesus, this is kind of a beginning point for all of us in chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, and about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is 
the newborn king of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet, you're speaking of the prophet Isaiah, which the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not least among the ruling class, ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and then they opened their treasure chests and gave him, Jesus, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, what's astounding to me as a follower of Jesus is when you start looking at that, just that simple display or presentation or historical reference of the birth of Christ, it says that there was a process It first started with these wise men following a star. I don't know if you were up last night when you were driving home from church or driving home from wherever and you saw this moon out last night. Did you all see the moon last night? It looked like another planet was invading our planet. Four times the size of a normal moon, orange in color, very low. And I can just imagine that something like that was appearing in the star in the skies, guiding these wise men to the place of Jesus. It was a big threat to the priests and to the leaders and religious leaders of that day because they knew if this was true, then a lot of their living was about to go under. They were no longer going to have people following them. They would have people instead following Christ. So they wanted to do away with this child. Herod especially because he didn't want people to start following another king. But these wise men did not tell anybody where this was. In fact, they just went there privately. But when they came, the interesting thing about it is, and this is where it kind of gets a little strange, but they presented gifts to a baby. They gave gifts to the baby. They, because it was his birthday, they gave gifts to the baby. And they didn't give normal gifts. They didn't just give little gifts. They didn't give rattlers or blankets or sweaters. They gave gold, they gave frankincense, they gave more, they gave very valuable gifts to this Savior, Jesus Christ. They knew in advance who he would become and what it would stand for, and they recognized that in a, when a person is born or they have a birthday, you give gifts to the person who has the birthday. Now, we've kind of turned that around, we kind of turned that around at Christmas because at Christmas time, what we tend to do is give gifts to each other and forget about the person who we're supposed to be giving gifts to. Isn't that interesting how the birthday that we're celebrating, it's like your birthday and everybody gives gifts to all the people that come to the birthday party, but you. And so we've said, okay, at Christmas time, we've got to make sure that we switch that and that Christmas time, we make sure our best gift goes to Jesus. We've always done this. We've always done this in the church. We've said, take your best gift, anything you're buying for people, make sure that it's not more expensive than what you give to Jesus. Don't give Jesus a rattler or a blanket. Give him your best gift. Amen? So I started thinking about this several years ago. 
How should I respond to Jesus at Christmas? How do I as a Christian honor God through this incredibly commercialized, uh, sanitized, humanized version of Christmas that we see in the world? How do I take my life as a follower of Christ and elevate it a little bit above that and really honor God at Christmas? And so I sat down and I wrote this this short lesson of how I could honor Christ, and I'm going to share it with you. This was several years ago. I'm going to share it with you how God spoke to me of how I can honor Christ. I'm going to give you four things you can do that are beyond just finances. First of all, I can honor him by trusting him regardless how difficult things get in my world. I can honor him by trusting him regardless of how difficult things get in my world. Now, let me, let me just drill down on that just a moment. At Christmas time, most of us are very happy, we're filled with joy because we get to see our family, we get to celebrate with our children, we get to enjoy the the typical trappings of Christmas. But unfortunately, most of us are not always aware of this, but every Christmas is not always a blessing to everybody. In fact, at Christmas time, it's a reminder sometimes of trouble that we're going through that other people don't seem to be going through. And it's very possible right here at Hamilton Mill, at Midtown Online, there's a group of people that are in church today, and you're not celebrating Christmas because of some trouble that's going on in your life. Maybe it could be something where you've gotten a diagnosis, a physical diagnosis of some kind of illness that is not a good diagnosis, and you're not doing well physically while everyone else around you seems to be physically fine. Maybe it's a challenge in your finances or you've lost a job or a loved one has gone on to be with the Lord or maybe your marriage has fallen apart. Different things can happen in life. Life doesn't always promise perfectness, everything working out. And sometimes holidays like Christmas can remind us sometimes of comparison of how they used to be and how they are now. But the reality of Christmas is it's really a time not about celebrating giving gifts to people, but about trusting God, about trusting God no matter what you're going through. When I first got saved at 22, I found myself for the very first time in my life alone. All my friends had left me after I became a Christian. I was one of those crazy Christians. I just told everybody, I'm born again, I'm serving Jesus, not knowing that this was going to turn off my secular friends, and they no longer wanted to participate with my life anymore, and so I lost all my friends almost overnight. And I remember driving home, I was living up in northern New Jersey at the time, and, and I was driving home from Cherry, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, to uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, on the New Jersey Turnpike. Now, let me just tell you about the New Jersey Turnpike. If you've never been on it, I'm pretty sure it's the closest thing to a resemblance of the road to Hades. <laughs> it is not where you want to be on Christmas Eve. And you've got the chemicals, the plants, the smell of the air. You've got people that are in a hurry to get places. And if you break down, good luck with that. And I'm driving down the New Jersey Turnpike, and it's about midnight on New Year's Eve. And I'm recognizing I'm by myself, and I'm starting to sing the blues of being alone, being feeling lonely. For the first time in my history, I'm going to spend Christmas night, the, the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day without family, without friends, all by myself. And I hear the voice of the Lord say to me, he said, now I want to teach you something in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of this loneliness 
in the midst of this feeling that you've been abandoned, that this is the time where now what really brings glory to me is when you, you put your full trust in me, where you begin to extend your full trust that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In fact, I'm going to take you on a new journey in your life, and it's going to be a, a life-altering journey that will, you'll look back on at, at this day as a starting point where you learn that no matter how difficult life gets, you can always trust in me. Now, here's something about the Lord I've learned over the 40 years since then, that it's something about trusting in God when we're going through trials that really blesses God. It really blesses God when you don't turn away from God or turn to the world or turn angry at God and instead you just turn to God and say, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, I will trust in you. Colleen and I were talking about this the other day because we had had a conversation with somebody who was mad at God and they were talking about how they were fighting through their anger at God and they said, you know, you know you've been mad at God and I said, no. I know it's surprising to, to, to myself when I said that. No, I, I can't honestly say I've ever been mad at God, not since I've been a Christian. And, I, and Colleen said, no, I've, I've never been mad at God. And I said, I think it, it, it had to do with when we started our journey with God, we made an internal decision that God is good and that anything that happens to me that's bad is not coming from God. It's not coming from God. It's either coming from the devil or it's coming from people or it's coming from me. Sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. Come on, somebody. And rather than turn and, and, and really look at what really is causing this trouble in my life, usually we turn and blame it on God. And that may be you today. That could be you. That could be you. You could have blamed some things on God that have nothing to do with your trouble. And you're turning away from the very one who can take you through to the other side of that trouble and heal you. Amen? So what if we went into this next year and saying, from this point on, I'm not going to express all my anger to God. and it's like, I'm just being real with you, God. I'm just being authentic with you. I'm just going to decide to trust that you are good, God. And whatever's happening in my life that's not good, you're going to turn it and make it work for my good and ultimately, I will walk through this trouble to the other side. How many of you believe that this morning? You believe that? There's something about that. There's something about that that honors God at Christmas. Second thing that I, I learned that honors God at Christmas, especially as you kind of draw to the end of a new year, is I can honor him by extending love and forgiveness to everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. That means everyone, by the way, in my life. Now, I want you to think about it for just a moment. Is there anybody in your life right now, anybody that you're just really angry at right now, really offended at, mad at, and harboring some things inside that you don't really want to admit it, but, you know, when you get around that person, you, I don't want to be around that person. You know, there's always people that come into our life that stretch our love in our hearts. How many of you agree with that? And so I'm sitting there one day, and this was in 1997. I come out of a church service. This is before we were in this building. And I have somebody come up to me and say, uh, Pastor, did you know that one of your pastors was having a separate meeting during the time you were preaching in the church over here in this other room? And he had about 18 or 20 people from your leadership team 
And we, I just happened to overhear what they were talking about. They're talking about leaving the church and planting another church while you're preaching. And this is a staff member. It's a good old church split. We never had a church split. And so this is my first time with a church split. And so, so I, I, did, I said, really? I said, okay, well, let me, let me uh, I'll deal with that. And I, I remember going home that day and I'm thinking, how do I want to deal with that? A shotgun, a hatchet, which way do I want to deal with that? <laughs> I was pretty upset. <laughs> and the Lord begins, and this was right before Christmas, and the Lord begins to speak to me, and he says, you know how you can honor me? You know how you can honor me when stuff like that happens? He said, let me show you a scripture. He took me over to Matthew chapter 5, and here's what it says Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that really challenged me. He says in verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, all right, first of all, recognize that as a pastor of a church, you have a responsibility to this entire congregation that when stuff like this happens, not to let the whole congregation be a part of this, to protect them from these kind of things, which means that you're going to have to go low. You have to go low, and you're going to have to think ahead. What's the best for the church, not what's best for you in this moment? So I called this couple up, and I set up a meeting with them, and I was sitting down talking to them, and I said, tell me what the issues are, and they started unloading on me for four hours. They unloaded all these grievances that they had for, against Colleen and I, and I was like, wow. And then they were talking about how they just didn't believe we were pastors, that we loved people, or that we cared about the church, or anything like that, and that they felt like God was calling them to start a new kind of church that would love the people, and so on and so forth. So I'm sitting there, and I'm going, love my enemies. Bless those who curse me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do good to those who hate me. Pray for those who use me and persecute me. And I hear the voice of the Lord say, you know how you can honor me right now? Just go low. Just go, how low can you go? <laughs> he said, you know how in marriage, what sustains a marriage is humility. And the reason marriages break up is because people can't go low. They always have to be right. They always have to be the right one. And so they argue and pridefulness begins to get in between a couple. So the same thing can happen in relationships. He said, Obviously, they have a hurt inside of them that has nothing to do with you. And he said this to me. He says, hurting people hurt people. And he says, you've got to look at the background that has nothing to do with you, and don't let this ref reflect on you that there's some stuff in their life that needs to be healed, and one of the ways to heal it is just love them in spite of their dysfunction. So I said to them afterwards, I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to receive an offering for you. We're going to receive an offering in a couple weeks, and we're going to send you out and all the people that want to go with you to bless you to start your new church. And that's exactly what we did. We sent them with chairs that we had over in overflow. We sent them with money. We, we blessed them. We called them up on the stage. We played over all the leaders that went with them. There was about 18 or 20 people that went with them. And as soon as they left, I'm going to tell you right now, a fresh wind blew through the church. The church started growing and increasing, and God began to put his hand on us because he recognized that we trusted in him, and we were going to honor him by loving even people 
that we're treating us in a wrong fashion. Can I just tell you something? It's not worth holding on to grudges, holding on to anger and frustration with people. What would it look like if one of your gifts to God this Christmas is, I'm not going into the new year with anything against anybody. I'm going to release my frustrations, my unforgiveness to God, trust him, and I'm going to love even people who don't love me back. Jesus said, this is how people will know you are my disciples, by the way you love other people. Amen? So that's the second way we can honor God. The third way we can honor God is we can honor God by developing a life that cares for people less fortunate than us. I remember when I had my second Christmas with Jesus, shortly before that, Colleen and I started going out on the streets and sharing Christ with people in Richmond, Virginia, and we ran into a homeless person who obviously had been on the streets for many years. He told us later, 33 years, and we led him to the Lord later on that night and did some ministry to him. And I remember as we were talking to him on the porch as it's raining on my porch in my apartment, uh, I hear the Lord say to me, now what are you going to do with him? Okay, you've led him to the Lord. Are you going to just send him back out into the streets or are you going to help him? And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And so he, he reminded me of the scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 25. Here's the scripture. I'm going to read it to you and then we'll go from there. Here's what it says. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. Look at this. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now, when I remember reading that early on as my Christian life, I realized this is, a, this is a rock your world revelation that it's not enough to just tell people, be warmed and be filled, I hope you make it, that you need to actually do something for somebody. So I said to the man, I said, I want you to spend the night with me, and I want you to take a shower, and I've got some clothes for you, because the Bible teaches that part of loving Jesus, part of honoring Jesus, is honoring people that are having trouble in their life. And so... He got a shower, he got some clothes, I got him some food, he spent the night with me. That night he was coming off of alcohol because he hadn't had alcohol in, a, in, a, in several hours and so he's going through the DT. So I basically stayed up with him all night as he went through these hallucinations. And the next morning I was able to find a place where he could go and detox and every day I went to visit him. Eventually he came out, I helped him find an apartment, got him a job, took him to church. He started functioning normally in a church, got him a car to drive. And he told me, he said, you understand, this is the first time I've ever had a home, driven a car, done any of these things. I've been on the streets for 33 years. I've talked to countless Christians who have never done these things. And he said, I can't believe you're helping me in this way. It was later on that year as he started to grow in the Lord that we were getting married. Colleen and I were dating at the time. We were getting married and her father wouldn't participate at that time in our wedding so we asked him to walk her down the aisle so when we got married in 1983 this homeless guy threw a tux on and with his toothless grin escorted my wife down the aisle and gave her away in our marriage 
<laughs> From that point on, I began to see people who had tough times, who had rough times, who were poor differently. You know, it's one thing to judge people from afar and just make these kind of quantifying judgments. Well, they're probably this way because of that or because of this. And it's another thing to get up close like Jesus did and really get into people's lives. This is why when I see people of poverty, I realize that, that maybe there's a reason why I'm prospering is not just so I can enjoy my life, but so I can share what God has blessed me with, with those who are less fortunate. Amen? Now, we all clap for that, but then I see people. Sometimes some people like here in the church, you'll come up to us and you'll say, here, I've brought this homeless person that I got off the street to the church. Look what I've done. Now, would you figure out what to do with this person? In other words, you're the church. You figure out what to do. Let me just tell you something. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't be dumping your situation on the church. You are doing that for the sake of God. Take care of that person. If you're going to pick them up, go all the way through. Put them in a hotel, get them home, get them some kind of place, or get them some clothing. Go all the way through. Can I just tell you something? Once you start helping people like that, something shifts inside of you where you no longer see the world through your bubble that you've been living in your whole life. How many of you know, those of you that are prospering, let me tell you something, you can get in a prosperity bubble you can get a prosperity bubble where you live out in the suburbs or you live in midtown in a high rise and you can completely forget and lose touch with everyone else that's suffering in the world. But two-thirds of the world is suffering. And this is why when we give at Christmas, we give our best gifts so that we can relieve some of the suffering of humanity that's out there and we can make a difference in the world. Amen? So I want to encourage you to shift that, that that's the way I honor God. One of the ways I honor God, give back to Him is helping people less fortunate. And then finally, number four, I can honor him by doing things with my life that really matter. Now, I want you to take a personal inventory of your life right now, and I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing in my life that really matters? Now, let me quantify matters because sometimes when we think of matters, we think, well, it really matters that I work this job and make a lot of money and this, no. What I want you to understand is what really matters is what's something that actually carries into eternity, something that has an eternal significance to it, not something that has a temporal significance. It doesn't really, I mean, in all honesty, it doesn't really matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in or what kind of jewelry you buy or what kind of vacations you go on. I mean, you know, that doesn't really matter. Ultimately, that has no eternal significance to it. It matters to you in the moment, but it doesn't matter in eternity. But what you do in this life that matters in eternity is what determines your eternity. And so a lot of times people don't think it through to the end. They're short-term thinkers. But I want you to live a little bit more than a short-term thinker or a temporal mindset. I want you to get to an eternal mindset. In order to do that, you have to kind of pull back. And maybe at Christmas time, it's, it's time to think about that. Because we're about to go into a new year. Now, we're not about just to go into a new year. We're going into a new decade. We're crossing out of a decade into a new decade, and it's a pretty significant change and transformation. In fact, you know now 2020, think about it, 2020, what's going to happen in 2020? Well, who knows what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be an interesting year. How many of you know that's going to happen? 
There's a lot of stuff going on in 2020 that we know is going to unfold, and we don't know how it's going to all unfold, but we know it's going to be interesting. But in the midst of that, there are going to be a people out there that need Jesus, that need Christ in their life. There'll be people in Midtown, there'll be people in Uganda, there'll be people all over the world. And we've got to make a a decision at some point, what am I going to do with my life while I'm in this earth that actually makes a, a difference in the lives of other people? So this is kind of where we are with things like Christmas offerings to the world. These are just ways to kind of kickstart a heart for the world, a heart that steps outside of ourselves and actually makes sacrifices for the sake of others. Listening to Uche talk about how he went through this period of death where he comes to America to start a business, to start a a professional career like most people would do, and then God arrests him and says, no, I want you to go to southern Sudan where there's a civil war going on, and I want you to go to the heart of one of the worst places in the world, most troubled places, most dangerous places, and take a people for Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure if God said that to me, I'd be going, say what? Are you kidding me? And when I meet people like you, and I meet people like you, Uche, I, 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 I kind of wonder if I'm even saved sometimes. Because when we get to heaven, you're going to be up there right around Jesus, and I'm going to be way down at the end of the line. Uche, remember me? I taught you in Bible school. (laughs) People like that inspire me. These are the kind of people that inspire us to give up some of the comforts of their life here on the earth so that they can make a difference in the lives of people around the world. So when I see things like that, I mean, I just, I want to give to that. I want to support that. Colleen and I were talking about this the other day, going home, like this is another year of giving at the end of the year, what do we want to give? And I, I you know, Colleen, what do you think? And she said, well, let's pray. So we prayed, and she says, I'm kind of getting a number. It's got a lot of zeros in it. It's got four zeros in it. I said, four zeros? That's a lot of zeros. Because <laughs> there's usually a number ahead of that. It's not a zero. And so we start praying about it, and the Lord's speaking to us and said, you know, at the end of the year, you need to give your best gift. Give, give something that, like David said, I don't want to give you anything that doesn't cost me something. I don't want to give you anything, Lord, that doesn't say sacrifice. I believe in you. I trust in you. And I'm, I'm just giving you this expression of my thankfulness and my real relationship with you. You know, giving is an extension of our relationship with God. And, and what I love about missions is, you know I'm talking to you, I have no reason to manipulate you to give because not one dime of that's coming into my pockets or even into the church's pockets. It's all going out into missions. So I'm not apologizing for asking you to give. Amen? People say, well, you put too pressure on people to give. Yes. <laughs> and? And I don't, Listen. At some point, you need a little pressure on you to give. Some point, you need somebody to say, it's time to start thinking a little bit more about others than just myself. Amen? So this is our way of coming out of our shell, coming out of who we are in the world and saying, God, I want not only my life, but the money I have to matter. And every time we give in these kinds of offerings, 
it has an eternal significance. It says, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break into steel, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So I am so full of joy because we're about to do something special in this church. Amen? And so I want to invite Pastor Johnson and Pastor Nathan Emmons, if you will go ahead and come up uh, to the campus pastors, if you'll come up and start to address your campuses as I address this campus and all of those who are watching us online. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about, what can I do? Now, today is our day that we start this offering, but it's not the last day. If you can't, if you didn't come prepared to give, maybe you're new, or maybe you haven't let the Lord work on you long enough. He has until the end of the year to get this thing done. Amen? <laughs> you can give any time online. You can give, but this, this offering is a starting point, and for those of you that have been a part of Victory for a long time, you've come prepared. You know what it means to give into this project. And so we're going to pray. We're going to receive the offering. And while we're receiving the offering, we're going to invite our, some of our team. And Crystal's going to come up and sing a song that she wrote, her rendition of Silent Night, that I think is really going to bless you. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you now. We pray and we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to come and speak into our hearts as we prepare to give this special gift to you, Jesus. This is an extension of our love and our trust and our honor to give back to you at Christmas time. Far and above anything we do in the world, God, this belongs to you. And we ask you to take the seed that we're sowing this, this morning of faith and build your kingdom. Build that training center in Uganda to send missionaries all over that part of Africa into the Congo, into Sudan, into Uganda, Ethiopia, other countries to spread the gospel. Build this campus at Midtown, God, that we can reach thousands of people in one of the most influential cities in the nation and turn people to Christ in such a special way as we build out this new building. Lord, speak to us and help us to just follow the obedience to let this be an honor to give to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right, God bless you as you give.